Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. My guest today is going to tell us uh, about her situation, her story, and um, what she's gone through with her daughter. So guest, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and giving us some background on your daughter. Thank you. My name's Molly Lyman, and um, I live in the suburbs with my family. I, My partner, husband, Matt, and I have been married for almost 14 years, and we have two daughters. Uh, Phoebe is nine, and Paige is six and a half. She will definitely correct you if you say six. It's six and a half. And um, Phoebe has Down syndrome, so um, which has really shaped and changed my life over the last nine years. And uh, so I just excited, I'm always excited to share our story and talk about like what we've learned about life and parenting and, and all of it. Um, Cause we are just, um, you know, our family feels like, like it, it's feels like we were meant to be all together, you know, like all the pieces are in place. Yeah, I, I love that about 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 you and, and and seeing you on Facebook. So, when did you find out that Phoebe had um, Down syndrome? Well, I was um, in. I was pregnant. Obviously, uh, I had had two miscarriages the year prior. This was in like 2013, uh, back to back miscarriages, and so I'd already done um, a fair share of grieving. And when I was pregnant again, I said, I don't want genetic testing because this is my baby. I just, I just want to have my baby at this point. And no matter what, I'm going to have, have my baby. And the pregnancy was very normal. You know, we had our 20 week ultrasound there weren't, weren't any hard markers as we call them. Um, so things were going along fine. And then around 37 weeks, we went in for my regular checkup, you know, with the, with the doctor and she measured my belly and it was measuring kind of big. And she said, well, you, maybe you probably just have a really big baby. So she said, just check it out. Let's go get another ultrasound. So, um, and you know, of course I was like 34, so I was quote unquote geriatric. So everybody's being, you know, very, very attentive. Um, so we went in for our 37 or for the ultrasound and um, it, there was, you know, the face of the tech kind of changed and she had to leave the ultrasound tech and she had to leave the room and she, yeah, she brought back the ra radiologist. Yes. And uh, he said there was that Phoebe had a, a I had excess amniotic fluid because the baby had, um, a double bubble. I don't know if you, it's, it's a hard marker for Down syndrome. Okay. Um, so, and he, you know, he just delivered it in a very, very somber way. And so of course I just burst into tears 
and was like, what does this mean? What's happening? You know, they don't, they really don't, the ultrasound people don't give you a lot of information. They just kind of tell you, here's, here's what we see. And so then I got on the phone with my doctor. She said, well, yeah, uh, we're going to need to get an amniocentesis. Um, and I, and I said, okay, but, but is my baby going to be okay? Is she, is she like, is she dying? What's, I mean, I knew she was a girl. Um, and they, she said, no, your baby's going to be okay. Um, we just need to find out what this means. So a couple days later, I got the fish, which is the super rapid amniocentesis. Um, they did that. And then they sent me for another ultrasound. They were doing a lot of stress tests. Uh, which where they like are constantly monitoring the baby's heartbeat. And well, as we were, you know, kind of being all hooked up to everything, the results came in that Phoebe had trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome. And the doctor had to deliver it to me on the phone because I was at a different hospital getting the ultrasound. And she said, I'm so, so sorry. And my heart just dropped. And I, he, you know, I looked at my husband, Matt, and, you know, he could see it in my face and we were just broken. I mean, we just both wept and it was devastating. It was like, it was all, it was in that, that specific moment, it was almost like hearing that we'd had another miscarriage. It felt like this horrible thing. And then we went into the ultrasound and it was even, I mean, it was even more just heart-wrenching to look at the screen and see this baby and feel like, I don't recognize this person in my body. I don't recognize. And to feel that, that sense of disconnect and that sense of loss just looking at the screen and it was just, it was awful. It was so, so like we were just grief stricken. So did you have any, I mean, any, obviously we've all heard the diagnosis. It's not uncommon. Uh, any knowledge of other people that have Down syndrome or children have Down syndrome or anything like that, where you could draw upon, you know, that, that understanding um, for what it might be like for you have, with the daughter? No, I mean, I had as much knowledge as, as every, as most people do, I, you know, assume that, you know, you see a little bit here and there, you know, someone, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend, or you've heard about someone with Down syndrome, or you see occasionally see people on TV with Down syndrome, but I had very little knowledge about what it meant. Um, so, which was scary. And, the, and, when you get the diagnosis, you don't get a lot of information right away. That was going to be my um, next, my next um, question. So when you talked about how the providers kind of delivered this to you as if they're telling you, you know, devastating news, which is kind of how you responded, partly maybe because of how they delivered it to you. Did they give you any, you know, any information or resources or, you know, a parents group or anything where you could find out? more about this and, you know, start to, in those last three weeks, assuming you went to term, um, you know, be more prepared at all? Well, 
the doc, they don't, they're not in that moment, the doctors don't, but what they do is then the hospital kind of flags you. Um, you know, everything started happening very quickly because once we had all this, there was some other, because I had excess amniotic fluid, I had to be induced um, a, a week early. So I was like at 39 weeks and uh, they had to drain some of that amniotic fluid. It was all very messy and, and, and it was a long birth, but um, a long labor. Um, but once I was sort of checked in to the hospital, they did connect me with, um, I believe it was some someone from ARC of King County. Oh. And they did give me a, a folder um, with resources and it was just paper resources like, um, and, and some of it was, was great. There was a little booklet um, with information about kids with Down syndrome. It's all, you know, pretty generalized, but um, at least it's something. And they do kind of start you um, in the process of connecting with other people, giving you, giving you names and groups and organizations to, to kind of steer you in the right direction. Yeah, that that had to be helpful. So your family, your your parents, your grandparents, whatever in the in the family, how did they respond? And did you feel like they were being supportive, or were they, you know, how how did they react when they heard this news? Well, I think, um, of course, everyone was really supportive, um, and they just they really um, offered a lot of love and kind words to me and Matt. I think the message that I got from a lot of people was that this happened to the right people. You know, Matt and I have a really strong relationship and, and that if if this were gonna happen to any two people that 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 we were the right ones for the job. And so that was was helpful. Um I think it, you know, again, everybody, we were all kind of we had no idea what, what it would be like. So, um, no one, you know, people would send me videos and stories and stuff like that. I started to get kind of inundated with, with just people sending me, well, I heard, I just heard this and I just heard this. I think everyone wants to reassure you in a way, yeah. um, which is nice, but also kind of overwhelming. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, when baby was born, I know I, I, I I already know the answer, but she did she have some complications or things that needed to be, you know, taken care of when she was first born? Yes. Yeah, so like the 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 hard marker that they found was called duodenal atresia. So her her stomach wasn't properly connected to her intestines. So um, which is why she wasn't processing amniotic fluid. So the day after she was born, she had to have surgery and they had to re kind of rebuild her whole digestive system. Mm -hmm. And then she had to spend I think it was 17 days in the NICU, like healing and learning how to eat. Cause it, you know, when she was born, she had to be fed through a, um, you know, through a tube and then not, not a stomach tube, not a GI tube, but like just the, what do they call it? A pick line or. Yeah, or a, J, a jejunal tube. Was it into actually her lower intestines or was it just food through the, you know, no. IV? okay. Just through IV. Yeah. Um, so that, but then she learned quickly how to take a bottle and all that. And, um, you know, the nurses in the NICU were absolutely just so incredible. They were so good, um, with everything. And, uh, 
So we spent the first few weeks of our life just doing that, just learning uh, how to be with her and learn, trying to figure out how to feed her. We, we couldn't, I couldn't even hold her for the, I mean, I, they let me hold her for a few minutes when she was born. Um, but then they whisked her off. And then when she had her surgery, we couldn't hold her for like 24 hours or something. And that was really hard. You know, she was just kind of in this container in the NICU and we had to just visit her constantly and we would read books to her and sing to her and talk to her. And, um, but it was, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. A lot to process. Yeah. So, so yes. take us to, you know, kind of once you, you know, you get home and, you know, it's now the three of you, um, you know, kind of when did you or how, when and how, how did you get to the spot where, you know, you weren't devastated and you realize this isn't a devastating um, news for you? I mean, how, what, how did you get there? You know, what, what happened? What steps did you take to kind of get you to that space? Yes. Well, I mean, when she was born, it's it, a lot of moms talk about like whether or not you fall instantly in love with your baby. I don't even know that I was in that space. I was so overwhelmed. I did. I, I did adore her. She had so much hair when she was born. She had like a that. full, full head of hair. So, um, and, and in the two weeks in the NICU, we did, I mean, I did feel as an attachment to her. I wanted to make sure she was okay and she was growing and all that. But I was so caught up in the sort of the medical part of everything. Wow. Um, and even when we brought her home, it was about like, it was so much about like feeding and sleeping. And I mean, that's true with all babies, but then there was this added element of stress and someone gave me a book um, and I think a lot of parents with who get the diagnosis, the trisomy 121 diagnosis, it's about babies with Down syndrome. And, and maybe it's helpful for some, but for me, it was just a lot of the what ifs, sort of the, all the bad things that could happen. I was reading that and finally I was like, I can't, I can't read this. I just need to like learn from her and experience this. And I think it was like eight weeks. She was like eight weeks old. She, we were just at home and I was holding her and she just looked me straight in the eyes and she kind of gave me her first smile. And it was like this sort of this wisdom. I don't know. There was something about the look that she gave me. It just clicked in my brain. It was sort of like a, 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 a we got this or we're going to, we're going to do this together and I'm with you. And from that moment on, it was like, I didn't, I don't see Down syndrome when I look at Phoebe. I see Phoebe. She's Phoebe. She has a whole personality. She has a whole range of emotions. She has a whole, she has her own ideas and her own personality. And it's all amazing. And that's what I see when I look at her. And that is like one of the biggest things I learned is you know, I don't see her diagnosis. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ways that affects our lives, but I don't, I just, she's, she's her, she's her own person. And that's just the most incredible part. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I, I, I know about you is that you, you and your husband, you, you don't 
set limitations for her. You let her show you where she's going to go and what she can or can't do, which I think is um, probably incredibly, you know, helps her to just, you know, be who she is and so on, rather than you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, and we've come a long way in society with how we uh, respond to and, you know, treat, educate, what do you want to say that, um, families with a child with Down syndrome. So, um, that, but I also know that you have done a lot of work yourself, you, you and your husband on, you know, some advocacy for, you know, other families, um, and how, how has, how, what are you doing? What do you do? Um, how do you get involved in that? And how does that help you with, you know, just you know, reaching out to others and so on? So how would you describe that? Well, I think early on, yes, I, I, I figured out early on that I, and I say this to people, I say, I believe, I believe in Phoebe and I believe she can do anything. And, um, I, I kind of took that on as my mantra and I connected with other people who felt other families who felt similarly, like we want the world to be a place where our, our child belongs. And so um, it's it's always a challenge. It's been a challenge, and it gets actually gets you know when when they're babies, it's there's a certain level of greater acceptance, I guess. And then the older she gets, the harder it is with complex school and social situations. But um, Matt and I really are are dedicated to advocating for inclusion for all students with all disabilities. And what that means is they're in a classroom, a general education classroom with their peers as much as possible, 100% would be the goal. And they, they learn alongside their peers and their peers learn a lot from being with kids that are different. And it's hard because our education system was not really built to do that. And, and there are so many limitations. Don't get me started on how we don't pay our teachers enough, but um, it's it's hard. It's There's been a lot of challenges, but I've we've been so lucky to have educators that are willing to work with us and willing to listen and collaborate. And, um, and she has, Phoebe has had, has been included and it's been, amazing to see. Um, she is doing great at school. She's, I mean, she has her struggles, definitely. <laughs> um, she's about to go into fourth grade, uh, but she reads and she loves science and she loves doing class presentations to her class. Um, so she's, she's really learning and adapting so well being with her peers and I see her peers growing too they like you like you see them being more patient and more compassionate and having more tolerance for things that are a little bit different and that's that's the one you know that's a great thing too because when they get into the world as adults there's, you know, there's a lot of differences and there's a lot of distractions and the world is kind of messy and you can't just keep kids as much as we want to keep them safe. We can't keep them in a bubble. So kind of exposing them to, to differences early is really, you know, I think it's helpful. And I see it in my other daughter, Paige. She's just like this incredible leader 
kind of advocate already at six and a half years old. So um, that's kind of, we're always, always striving towards um, how can we, again, how can we help her belong in this environment? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I know before we started recording, I was telling you about my, my daughter after having experienced, you know, life with a disabled brother really um, learned at a very young age that their people are different and it's okay. And um, to be comfortable with, with people who are different and that I don't think she would have learned if she hadn't been exposed to that. So to have the kids in the classroom, you know, really see that this is not, you know, something to, to be afraid of, or she shouldn't be excluded or whatever, you know, terms you want to use, I think is, is a tremendous um, value to those kids that she goes to school with. So I'm, I'm so glad she can be in, in school, mainstream school. That's fantastic. So um, so you get from the point of being, you know, where you're, you're not sure what this diagnosis is and how you're going to deal with it and so on. And now you've come to where you are today. So if you were, you know, talking to someone who was in your space and at 37 weeks pregnant and were given this diagnosis, you know, what advice would you give? And I know, you know, at this point in your, your journey, it may seem like, you know, you know, natural to you. But, you know, if you were to put yourself back in, in your shoes back at 37 weeks pregnant, what would you say to that family, you know, for, you know, whether it's resources or information or um, at the very least to not expect only bad things? Right. Well, first, I would say congratulations. And I'm so excited for you. I think, you know, that was the thing, like you mentioned earlier, having the news delivered in a very somber way is not helpful. <laughs> um, you know, you're having a baby and your baby is going to be uh, a little different and your life is going to be different. I mean, I think that's the part that you grieve is that you have this expectation of this quote unquote perfect or even normal life. But those are you know, there's no, not really any such thing as perfect or normal. And um, you're going to have a baby and it's exciting and you should, you be happy. And, you know, with every, this is what I would say is with every kid, there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of uncertainties. And I think, cause I think that's something that the medical community might stress a bit about, you know, kids with who are being who are born with down syndrome is that there could be this there could be heart defects or there could be this or there could be that which is all true but it it's not it's not a guarantee you know, was not born with a heart defect and you never you know you could have a child that does not have a chromosomal disability or a chromosomal difference and they you know you never know what's going to happen Paige, my other daughter, she kept getting RSV as a kid and was hospitalized. I mean, it's like, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and that's sure. just to say that, you know, you're, you're just kind of in it for the adventure. And I would say that um, you do um, learn so much about life, having a kid with a disability. You learn so much more about uh uh, appreciating different people and you learn so much about love and your own limits and and your own ability to um, 
advocate and, and be there for your children. So it's, it's going to be a great experience. This is what I would say to a family. It will be a great experience. You will love it. You will love being a parent. And that's what matters. You're, you're a parent first and foremost, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's listening that actually works in healthcare, I'm curious what you would say, you know, you talk about getting that, that diagnosis a very somber way as if they're giving you this, 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 you know, sentence, if you will, rather than, you know, in news in any other format, you know, what, what would you say, you know, people could learn from your story, which I know is not unusual, um, in, in sharing that diagnosis, right? I mean, from the moment of the technician leaving the ultrasound to go get the radiologist, which I've heard from other people, their stories of that, that's just, you know, already something's not, not okay. You know, how could those things be done in a more um, positive way, I guess is the way I want to start with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have a lot to learn as a culture, just um, not being afraid of these, these differences so that it's not scary. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Along with, you know, what you would talk to about, you know, parents who were, you know, in that situation, how about families, coworkers, you know, someone who's, you know, this is my friend, this is happening to, um, what what can they do, you know, to help these parents? Um, or what can they say? Or what should they not say? I guess is a better way. Because <laughs> I, I am sure there's plenty of that out there um, that you would advise and say, hey, you know what? Do this or don't do that. Well, one thing that comes up a lot, and the thing is, I know that people are so well-intentioned. And I, so I don't, you know, I, I, I pick and choose when I'm going to correct people. <laughs> Um, cause I, but one thing that comes up a lot is, oh, people again, trying to reassure you will say, oh, well, people with Down syndrome are so happy all the time, or they're just so cute, or they're like little angels or little cherubs or little, you know, it's like they're talking about a dog. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you hear about, um, uh, yeah, sort of infantilizing them. Um, or dehumanizing them. These are human beings. They're not, Phoebe is definitely not happy all the time. She has a temper. She cries. She gets very mad at me. She tells me she hates me sometimes. I mean, she's a nine-year-old. So uh, she goes through the whole gamut. She's not happy or laughing or smiling all the time. That is definitely true. And um, I think she's cute, but I think both my kids are cute. And (laughs) So it's just important that like, while we celebrate the differences, we don't dehumanize. We still recognize that um, people with Down syndrome are capable of a lot and to really kind of show that respect and that um, dignity, give give some dignity to people, um, which I think is something that we're kind of in, as a culture, we're still sort of working on. Oh yeah, I would. I would agree with that on pretty much any any differences or disabilities. What we're really, um, I know in in my case with my son, um, I felt like people were were um, approaching me from a space of like I like my son had died, right? So it's like a grieving space rather than congratulations, you know, this baby. But right. I'm so sorry you have this baby. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not. So you know, I, yeah. I'm just that, and I'm just thinking, you know, what would be helpful is if you could just 
you know, say congratulations and, and whatever you would do to any other parent with a newborn, right. Rather than, you know, place your whatever thoughts and, and prejudices and biases or preconceived notions on those parents to just say, you know, like any other parent and then follow their lead, right. How can I help you? Is there something I can do? Um, rather than give, and I, I know when you say people are well-intentioned, I know, I know, I know when, when my son passed away, I had somebody at his funeral say to me, it's a good thing you have other children, um, as if I'd lost a shoe. <laughs> and I thought, right. really, that this, and I knew, I know she meant well, I know she did, but I thought at the time, what an incredibly stupid thing for you to say to me at this moment in time. And, 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 and I think of myself, gosh, did you, to that person, did you ever think back on that and realize what an asinine thing that was to say? Uh, yeah. But again, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't question it. I just kind of smiled and said, you know, thank you. Cause I thought that, you know, it wasn't a battle I was one to have, you know, at my son's funeral, especially, but um, yeah. So some of that, that well-intentioned things, I think people need to sort of think about um, what would be a better and way to respond rather than pity and grief mm -hmm. Um and I'm so sorry this happened to you. And show me sympathy. Those things are just not, they're not helpful. And I don't think it's, it doesn't help the parents either. So that's kind of what I'm hearing from you as well. So yeah, I think that's kind of, <laughs> if anybody's- And I think it's okay. It's okay to ask questions. You know, I have some, my close friends will ask, like, how do I say this? Or, or like, how, what, you know, if they, uh, spend time with Phoebe they're like what would be best for her in this situation and I love it when people at just ask questions like we shouldn't feel, feel weird about talking about it right. just ask because you learn so much more when you are curious yeah. yeah about the disability yeah and it's not offensive to you to have someone ask it's like you they are genuinely need to be told or you know held how do I do this right rather mm -hmm. than they are feeling like I can't ask because that's going to be like me pointing out that I'm, you know, whatever. I mean, I'll even come from a space of ignorance and say, I just, I'm sorry, I don't know. So can you help me, you know, what, what do I need to know about this or how should I do this or something? Um, because I'm the one that needs to learn. It's not, I don't, I'm not trying to put it on you. Um, and I'm not feeling bad. I'm just like wanting to know how I could do something that would be helpful or how do I interact with this child or whatever it might be. What are they capable of? What are they not capable of? What should I not take them out to do, you know, whatever it might be, if you're not used to that. So I think that's a great, a great piece of advice for sure. So uh, before we end, is there any other things you'd like to share with our listeners about, you know, kind of your family, um, you know, whatever? I mean, we've already talked about what advice you'd give and so on, but anything else you'd like to share before we end? Uh, I just really appreciate always having a chance to tell the story and have a chance having a chance to advocate you know I, I guess in many ways um I I am that parent <laughs> with schools and and in the community of always being you know um speaking up for people with disabilities but it's really important and I'm just grateful to, to be in a position where I can advocate. And um, I just hope too that, that other people will hear this and, and feel um, a, a sense, you know, if the other families who are going through something similar, feel a sense of empowerment and, and, and hopefully um, hope uh, for, 
for the future. And um, so thank you for giving me this chance to can talk about something that I am very passionate about. Yes, absolutely. I'm so, so thankful that you were willing to become a guest on my show. So thank you so much for your time. And um, we will be posting some links with your podcast to various organizations that you might share with our listeners for anyone who's looking for more information or resources or so on that have to do with um, children with Down syndrome. Um, so I think that would be very helpful as well. Some people maybe who don't don't know that they're out there and so on. So I appreciate that. And we will post that. And thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.